Welcome back, everybody, to the second installment of Club Ducks in the 2022-2023 school year. I am your host, Brennan Ferber, joined, as always, by my co-host, Carlos Pimentel. And joining us for the first time, you might remember him from the club baseball episode last year, Daniel Fries. Daniel, welcome to the other side of the mic, my man. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's been a while since I've been with you guys, and it was obviously a lot different last time being the guest, but I'm excited to host with you guys. This is a good crew. I'm excited to talk to Zevi here. It should be a good, should be a good day. And as you said, you are a club sport manager yourself, so you have an interesting perspective, and my expectations are very high for you, my friend. No I pressure. I disappoint, I promise. All right, and introducing our guest, it is Zevi Alter. Zevi is the president of Club Table Tennis, which is a little different than some of the sports we've done on this podcast because it's a little less physically demanding, but that does not make it any less challenging. I, for one, have never mastered it. <laughs> Zevi, welcome in. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, and we will start with a recurring question we have on this podcast, which is just when did your interest in table tennis begin? I started getting interested in table tennis kind of around the same time as everyone else, just playing in garages and driveways. Um, I played with my brother, my dad, cousins. I was always the youngest um, and my cousin, so I would always uh, get my butt whooped. And it didn't stop me from, you know, continuing to play. And I just kept at it. I was never competitive really until fall freshman year in 2019 when I tried out for the team and made it uh, last spot on the team, the uh, last spot. But just kind of as a kid, I just loved playing. And it's it's a super casual sport, super easy to get started and just playing, you know, as a kid growing up. How did it, how do you uh, how does the tryouts for the team go? Um, is it like 1v1? Is it doubles? Do you play the top guy? And then if you can beat him, you get you automatic bid. How do, can you run me through um, how, how that works hitting onto the table tennis team? Yeah. So the tryouts work in a sort of um, just round. Uh, everyone plays everyone. Uh, so it's one-on-one. -on -one, and as soon as you finish a game with one person, you write down your score and who won. So if it's uh, it's best out of best to, first person to win three games, and you play to eleven and with all the normal rules, and everyone plays everyone, so everyone has a chance, equal chance to play against the higher level players and the lower level players, and it kind of evens out. And based on your skill level, we'll see uh, the top uh, six people who uh, can make the team. Um, I was doing some late night stalking of your guys instagram account last night is it mm -hmm. true that you founded the team in 2019 or you were part of it is that true or no that isn't true i i think the instagram account must have been founded in 2019 i wasn't the one starting with the socials but it's been going on for quite some time we've actually won some i think maybe one regional championship not not when i was around it was years ago but it's been going on for a while. I'm not sure how long exactly, mm -hmm. um, but hopefully, you know, it continues. And our our membership fluctuates a lot. You know, sometimes we'll have 30 people at club, and sometimes we'll only have four people at club. So we're trying to get a consistent basis coming. We have, I think, 17 or 18 tables total. So we have we have a lot. And we have plenty of people um, that show up, and there's also uh, a table tennis class. So a lot of people kind of start you know get interested in it it's just a pe credit and over time you know they might if they want to get more competitive with it or actually kind of learn um just get some more practice in then they can join the club and you know clubs available for everyone uh, any student 
Mm -hmm. So a two-parter for you. When did you join? And is it something you saw yourself pursuing at the collegiate level or was it kind of more spontaneous? Like you saw a flyer and you were like, yeah, that sounds like, I like table tennis. Maybe I'll go try that out. Mm -hmm. I joined in my freshman year in fall 2019 at the club sports fair. Um, I was just kind of like, "Eh, you know, I might as well try it out. And I wasn't expecting at all to, I wouldn't say I've fallen in love with it, but I've definitely, my passion has increased a lot. And through going to tournaments and just seeing the skill level of people my age, that it it looks like you're playing against professionals. And I never really pictured myself getting as into it as I have, but through learning the kind of different techniques and um, how to, you know, counter spin and how to do my own spin and how to position my feet and all that, learning those little things got me a lot more involved and got me a lot more passionate about competing at the collegiate level. But I never really pictured myself like competing at all. How do you keep yourself, you know, locked in? I feel like whenever, I mean, personally, whenever I play table tennis, there's always gets to a point where I'm like, oh, like, oh my gosh, like this is like, it's getting kind of serious. You know, I got I to stay locked in and, um, you know, I'm, I'm not very good. So it's kind of easy to just be like, oh, whatever. But uh, at that at that level, when you're competing against other other uh, other athletes and other students, how do you how do you keep yourself in the zone? That's a great question. Uh, table tennis is largely a mental game. It's not just kind of I mean, like every sport, it's a it's a mental game. You have to you know stay in it. If uh, if you miss kind of one serve, it can really throw you off because serves are really important. And if you miss a serve, it's just a free point, you know, for your opponent. And if you start getting kind of flustered with it, um, it really changes your game and you might miss more serves. At the tournament I just had, I missed like four serves in a game and I was really trying to, you know, keep myself even. I'm not someone who like yells or anything and, you know, gets super into it like that, but I'm generally very calm when I play. Um, I've also played soccer for a long time and I'm, you know, kind of keep a straight face. I'm not someone who yells at refs and kind of that sort of thing. So um, I'm kind of just a naturally honed in person and focused on the game. I try to just keep a, you know, a straight face and it, it kind of just helps keep myself calm if I keep my face kind of in emotions low. And it also helps that I know that I'm not like the com- the competition that we play against with um, University of Washington and University of British Columbia, these schools are, you know, way above my skill level. So I'm not expecting to win necessarily. I'm just expecting to do my best and have fun. And that's, you know, with, with U of O, a lot of us, um, we kind of know that the competition is really, really steep. So our coaches always said, like, go in, like, have fun, um, you know, score some points. And that's what you can kind of come away with. Why, why is the competition so steep? What's the difference there between, you know, University of Washington and British Columbia compared to the University of Oregon? So University of British Columbia has a lot of Chinese and uh, other Asian country like exchange students or just students from Asia. And a lot of them have been coached. It's, the, it's more the standard for table tennis to be sort of the normal sport. You know, here it's more soccer or like baseball kind of thing. And for um, there it's table tennis. So a lot of the students who come, come with professional or, you know, coaching and they start at a really high level. And with the popularity of that, they just kind of, you know, flock together more and 
the competition is more steep. And for UW, I think it's is it is it a bigger school? UW bigger than us? Mm-hmm. A little bit. I mean, um, it is Seattle, right? So yeah. it is so it is a larger major yeah. city in the U.S. So that would make sense if it was a, a little bit better. Or not, sorry, a little bit bigger. Excuse me. We need a we need a Jamie to pull that up. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's the forty four thousand students? Forty four thousand. We're about twenty six. Yeah, so twice okay. as much. So they've got twice the pool to to draw from. And my freshman year, we we had a good team. We we had a a Japanese exchange student. We over time we've kind of dropped off in our in our skill level, and I'm not sure if that's kind of due to COVID um, or just I don't know, not getting the word out as much because there very well could be some, you know, really, really excellent players that just don't know about the club. And that's, you know, part of our goal is, you know, get the word out a little bit more, reach out to um, different groups and have more people join. We also just want to expand, you know, the club We're I think overall we're a less competitive school compared to UW and UBC because our skill level isn't as high. Um, at least in the last year or two, but our 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 in the club we have a, a more centralized goal of just kind of having fun and enjoying the time. You know, playing with your friends in other schools um, have a much more competitive mindset because they're at that higher level. Mm-hmm. And you guys have practices Tuesday and Thursday, yeah, uh, from five thirty to seven thirty, and it's five dollars, and anyone can attend, right? Yes, any student. Yeah. So is that a little tedious sometimes when you're the president and it's a little more open to the public? Like you have people filtering in and out. Is that a little difficult to kind of get your arms around it? Not really. I can, you know, usually if I'm in the middle of a game, I can still stop. And that's, it's just overall, it's a very casual club. So we're not like, oh, like you're interrupting and stuff like that. It's like, you know, if someone comes in and um, I'm happy to just say like, okay, I'll be right back and get you member, uh, get you to fill out, you know, the form, the QR code, and then you know, at the end of the club, come and find me. You know, Venmo me five dollars, or if you have cash, you know, either way works. So it's not too much of a struggle um, to get people kind of filing in and out. We actually encourage people to come when they want and leave when they want. So it's not a strict kind of. You have to be there at 5.30 and you have to leave at 7.30. Um, we'll ask the people um, take down a table when they leave so that we don't have to do it all at the end. Mm-hmm. And if they are leaving at, let's say, 6.45, I'll you know stop and I'll teach them how to take down a table so then next time they can do it by themselves. To piggyback off Brennan's point there, as someone who does help with club baseball, I oversee about 20 people and it's pretty difficult to keep their interest on baseball on the team for two hours twice a week which is the same amount of time that you guys practice so I want to know you said that you do or that it's not so much a difficult thing for you to keep it organized to keep everyone interested so what do you guys do normally in a two-hour practice is it literally just two hours go play your friends go play against other people are you guys doing drills are you guys doing teamwork stuff like what are you guys doing that's a good question so it can really be whatever you want it to be. Our coach graciously volunteers. Um, he's not a paid coach. And he's there for kind of any needs that people want. So if someone wants to learn how to serve or how to do a backspin or how to do a slam or you know something like that, then they can ask him. He can help him work on that. So most people would just come with their friends and just hit with their friends. But, you know, if one one person leaves and there's someone, you know, stranded, uh, then the coach will 
play with them. And then if another person comes, then the coach will step aside so that the two uh, students can play with each other. Um, but for the most part, people just play um, with each other. And it's, yeah, yeah. So tournaments. Mm-hmm. You had a tournament last weekend. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about tryouts, how it's kind of like a round robin type of structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that reflect in the tournaments, or how, how is that usually organized? How's the tournament organized? Yeah. So there's a there's a each school has a co-ed team and a B team, and you can also have a women's team, and you can have up to eight people on a single team, except only four people actually compete against another school. So you have your top four players. So let's say on our on our co-ed team, which is also kind of the A team, you have. Uh, our four best players against, let's say, UW's four best players. And you're on four different tables, and you have, it has to be R1, or best player, against their one, and then R2 against their two, R3 against their three, R4 against their four. And then whichever school wins the majority of the games, so if R1, 2, and 4 beat their 1, 2, and 4, but their 3 beats R3, then we'd still win because it's 3 to 1. But let's say their 1 and 2 beat R1 and 2, and R3 and 4 beat their 3 and 4, then it's tied 2 to 2. So then you go into doubles. And <clears throat> you have to have the the 1 playing doubles, but the 2, 3, or 4 can beat the other person. Last year, I was the 3 against OSU, and we went to doubles with them. And it was R1 and me against their, I think against their 1 and four so you can kind of choose like who would be your best um, partner for doubles and you decide that before you write it down on a piece of paper before you actually play the other school and we won we beat OCO so that was a you know a big win yeah is there like a is there a a doubles option as well because um uh is it or is it only like overtime rules is when you play doubles like is there doubles tournaments is there doubles uh practices um things like that there's in practice you can you're more than welcome to do doubles um a lot of people do kind of toward the end you know just if you know you're tired of playing with one other person but during the tournament it only goes to doubles if it's tied with another school is it hard to transition from singles to doubles how how does that process go um, how do you get on the same page as your teammate Mm -hmm. and then what's the strategy going forward when you switch into doubles definitely great question Doubles is definitely <clears throat> it's definitely a different way of thinking about the game, and it took me a while to get used to because singles you're you hit the ball and then you wait for it to come back to you, and in doubles you hit the ball and you have to move out of the way because your partner has to hit the ball next. If I hit it and you hit it back to me and I forget and I hit it, then it's automatically the other team's point. So it's really it's a different kind of way of thinking because you have to you know you serve and then you move out of the way and then your partner hits it and then you have to be back on so it's back and forth and back and forth your partner is you know hitting it a different way than you might have hit it so you have to adjust based on their spin and how the opponent counters your spin and it's a lot of really really quick thinking and it's tough when you have another person kind of hitting your shots for you um, so it's definitely a, a harder and different way of thinking, but it's, it's also, yeah, it's, yeah, it's different. So it's almost like a, I mean, 
I grew up like a, a professional wrestling fan, so it's like a like a tag like a tag team. Like yeah. you like you serve, tag out, next person comes in, tag out, like they hit, and then it's like pack and forth, just mm -hmm. tag, 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 tag. So exactly. you can't so once you serve, you have to you have to move to so the other person can hit it. Exactly. And then once they hit it, you have to jump back in there. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's better for that sport. Two people with a small table like that ask him to share it. I feel like that's difficult. I never, I never knew that though. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. it's you know tennis. You've got much more space, which you know is pros and cons to that. Exactly. And the table already seems small enough with one person, and you have this little tiny ball, and it's you know going. I don't know how fast, but blurry. You know, it's always you know you almost can't. It goes so fast that you can't. You don't have time to to watch the ball hit your paddle. You have to train and kind of know where it's going before you can even hit it. So, you know, with doubles, it's, you know, just another kind of game. It sounds incredibly nuanced, kind of the way you're describing mm -hmm. it. You know, your footwork, the, the way you hit the ball, stuff like that. Do you feel like a lot of that comes naturally to you? Or do you feel like it's like this is a sport you really have to practice at? It's definitely something you have to practice at. I've learned so much throughout, you know, since freshman year. Um, I definitely had you know, a lot of experiences. I played a lot with my brother and we had a table at our house. So it kind of was just naturally just over time practicing a lot. Um, but it's, there's a lot of, I, table tennis is very much a game of millimeters. I think like football and basketball is maybe a game of more kind of centimeters, inches, but with like a slight kind of um, wrist positioning, like uh, in a handshake kind of form versus a little bit tilted down where you can lock your, your hand is a huge difference in how powerful your shots can be. And footwork um, is also really specific and you, you have to have kind of the right footwork and um, to position yourself for the next shot. Comparing it to tennis, like you have, in tennis you serve it and it comes back maybe a second, second, like one to two seconds later. But table tennis, you've got, you know, shots, you know, two shots a second and it's, so it's really really quick so it's really quick thinking you really have to train yourself to think quickly um, and it's also beneficial because you can get better quicker so if you're rallying you're hitting one two three like the shots are so fast in tennis it's like one you know two or soccer it's like just passing back and forth um, so that's one of the things that I like about table tennis is you know anytime someone comes to a practice I tell them like you you honestly got better like you got a lot better from you know between 5 30 and 7 30 you you just got a lot better you may not obviously see it but with the repetition of how many shots you can get in it's it's a quick it's a quick sport I think to improve your skills that's why I can encourage people because they're like oh I suck um, like well you know you're a beginner now and at the end of the practice you're going to be a lot better than you so with that topic of the team, I'm curious because I don't think we ever got to it, but how did last weekend's tournament go for the team, for you individually? How was it? So we're definitely the underdogs, uh, as I was mentioning before. I, uh, I'm, the, I'm the one on the team, and I didn't win a single game, not even within the games of three. Last tournament, uh, I won a few games against OSU, and this time OSU didn't show up, um, which is kind of unfortunate for us because they're a team that we are able to beat, at least at least the B team. Um, but as a team, a few of our players won um, some games. Our, our four 
well, we, we played the UW women's team, and uh, one of our players went to went to the fifth game, so it was tied two to two, and then he won the fifth game, which got us into doubles against the UW women's team, and then they beat us in doubles. Um, but overall, um, I think everyone has a lot of fun with it, and we 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 go into the tournament with the understanding that these players are have way more practice than us. Two players on the UBC team are on the Canadian national team. So, you know, that's kind of the, <laughs> the competition <laughs> yeah, we're up ridiculous. against. Um, and it's honestly, it's, it's, it's definitely a privilege, uh, especially when you're really kind of into the sport. And I've gotten, you know, a lot more passionate for the sport. I'm like, wow, like I can, you can really appreciate the skills that they have. It's kind of one thing to just observe, like, oh, they're hitting it fast. Another to be like, oh, like, that was a really smart move. And I kind of see that um, I almost have more fun watching, you know, these really insanely good players play against each other than I, I almost, you know, have more fun watching them play than myself playing just because it's so cool to watch, like, in person, these really skilled players that are, you know, a year younger than me or, you know, maybe same age or year older. Um, but the tournament overall, it, it was fun. And... I think we all had a really good time and learned a lot and were very humbled. Uh, it was a couple, two people's first time at a tournament and they're like, well, like, you know, this is, this is crazy. And it's also just fun to head up to Seattle as a team. In the hotel room, we, you know, set up, we take the desk and move it. We had a connecting room and we put it between the doorway and we put up, someone brought a little net and then we <laughs> had this little tiny mini table. We were just like practicing well, in the hotel right. room, like in between, you know, before the tournament and had to like pike place and just kind of hang out and it's a good opportunity to hang out with some people because most of us don't hang out outside of the club but you know in club and you know traveling with the team always kind of brings you together mm -hmm. so you're playing co-ed and women's the two aren't separated no, uh they are separated so there's okay. a co-ed team and a women's team but we don't have actually this ter this term and last term, we didn't have enough women or any women that tried out. So we didn't have a women's team. Okay. On, so for, but the A team is called the co-ed team, but we just don't have enough mm -hmm. women um, trying out. And so, you know, really encouraging more women to try out um, because we would love to have a women's team. Uh -huh. And do you play strictly in the, the Pacific Northwest Division, OSU, British Columbia, Washington, or do you have any mm -hmm. out-of-division tournaments as well? So we play, this, this regional tournament is the um, UO, UW, OSU, and UBC. And there's a tournament in fall and there's a tournament in winter. I guess since we're, uh, there's uh, semester systems, it's, it's called the spring tournament. But um, the two, the top two teams qualify for the West regionals. So then you'll play teams like UCLA and like other teams like that. And I haven't, I don't know when the last time UO got that far, maybe like long before I was in the club, but it's always been UW and UBC that are the top. And they also play exceptionally well in the uh, national tournament. So we kind of have like the, some of the two hardest schools to play against and it's, you know, not that we're never going to make it, but it's definitely, you know, we want to encourage, you know, people to sign up who haven't, you know, who may have some professional training in the past. But for the most part, um, you know, our expectations are to have fun at the, at the tournament that we know 
will make it to. So like we, uh, I know like Daniel can probably touch on this a little bit too because he's you know the the club president for baseball. But how does it go about you know your funding? You just said that you guys went on a, a, a tournament up in Washington, so you know you got a hotel and you guys spent all this time and travel and all that. Um, do you have sponsors? How does fundraising go? Um, you, you talked about you know pricing for practices. I'm sure that probably goes to it as well. But there's other things that go along with being a part of a club sport. Mm-hmm. We ha- well, we start out with some funding from club sports, which is hugely, you know, helpful. I'm not sure exa- the exact amount, but it largely funds our trip. Uh, we've struggled in the past few years with fundraising. We did uh, a Jamba Juice fundraiser and bought gift cards and then handed them out to people, um, or not handed them out, but you know, offered people to buy them. So that helped a little bit. The membership is a large um, contributor to the to the fundraising. And we have a lot of people that come in and maybe only come you know once or twice and we're looking to um, increase the price of our of our membership dues because we want to be able to buy like better equipment. We really have kind of the basic basic levels. Um, we were mentioning it was you know five dollars for us and UW has I think they're thirty dollars for not we're not gonna necessarily make that jump, but they've got, much more um, expensive dues, but they also don't have any club funds to begin with. So, but we do want to, you know, increase our our fundraising. We, I think, in the past there was a um, a cleanup. It might have been for a baseball stadium. I think we some people cleaned up, you know, trash and stuff after and got paid for that. But we we that's something we're working on is getting more fundraising going so that we can afford better paddles more balls. We have good tables. We actually have better tables than UW. So we're not really looking for more tables. And those are like two grand for uh, a table that we have. But overall, we're, we are looking for, for more ways to, to fundraise. Um, I want to be respectful of your time because I know you don't have a lot. But I'm just really curious. What's your most lethal shot, Zevi? <laughs> most lethal shot. So I've, I, when I play like these um, really good players, if I remember afterward, you know, I'm not, um, I'll say to them, like, do you have any tips for me? Because, you know, they're at a level where they can kind of recognize, you know, how I play and that kind of thing. And two people said, I have a good serve. So honestly, that's like a huge compliment because the serve is, I guess, technically it's the most, the most important shot because it's the your first shot. And if, when you serve in it, they hit it back to you. If you have a good enough serve, you can set them up to hit it where you want to hit it next. So I I have a kind of unique way of serving. Most people serve, they kind of throw it up and hit it forehand and do like backspin or sidespin or backspin sidespin um, or the kind of tricky shots. But I'm a, I use a backhand serve, which is a lot less common. Most people like sometimes incorporate their you know backhand serve in, but I'm all kind of backspin um, or backspin side spin serves. So I'd say my serve is kind of my strong, stronger shots, but I've also got a, a lethal, like, kind of backhand flick. Yeah. Are there any adjustments you have to make to your game depending on your opponent? Like if you're going up against a right-handed person Definitely. and you switch to a left, what goes into to those changes? Um, there's I haven't played against a left-handed player, but there's some people who have... Um, a pen hold grip 
So if you can imagine, you know, the way you hold the pen and then imagine that's the way you hold the paddle. So th those people primarily have just forehand shots versus a shake hand, which you, if you imagine like shaking someone's hand and then holding the paddle, that's, you know, you can do backhand um, or forehand and backhand shots easier. But people who have the pen hold shot, which is traditionally a Chinese um, way of holding it, they almost always, like I'd say like 90% of their shots are forehand. So if you can get it to their backhand, um, those shots, um, it's kind of their weakness. And overall, you, the kind of the elbow, if you aim for the elbow, um, that's kind of a spot where you can't really, you know, hit it forehand well or backhand well. So you kind of sometimes want to aim for the elbow. That's an overall weakness. But the way someone holds the paddle is one thing. And also the rubber on the paddle. Some people have there's a few different types of paddles. So some have like uh, anti-spin or they're called pips, which are the little kind of pimples on the paddle. And the, the long pips actually reverse the spin on the on the ball, Wow, which is really hard to get used to, especially for someone like me who I'm not, you know, a high, high level enough player to, to work against that. So if they hit, you know, what looks like a top spin shot, it comes back to you as backspin. So everything you do is kind of in reverse, and it's really hard to think that fast into, you know, your shots are kind of going the opposite way of what you think they're they're going, but the high-level players are good enough that they can, you know, think that fast and, and combat that and, like, you know, beat that kind of anti-spin. So, what, so what's the, like, most used paddle? Is it the high or the low? Because it sounds like the high has an advantage to it with the alter alternating reverse spins. Mm -hmm. But then if you don't really know what you're doing, if you're a beginner and you're just hitting backspin, thinking that you're hitting front spin and mm -hmm. you're just you're just basically hitting it. Right. So it's actually not the professionals don't use the anti spin because people are good enough that the anti spin doesn't actually affect them. So you want to have I think it's called it's like sticky rubber. So it's kind of looks more shiny um, and that you can get more power and more spin off those and the anti-spin is it's, it's definitely a tricky way of playing but it's not what the highest level players will use but it, it definitely works for people at like a certain level for these kind of tournaments um so the uh the osu one uses anti-spin on and it's also just on one side of the paddle um so they'll, they'll kind of flip the paddle in the middle of their um in the middle of the game the UBC and UW players like demolished him, so they're good enough that his anti-spin doesn't actually like affect them, but it affects me. Yeah. I didn't realize just how many different different you know elements of the game there was. You're teaching me so much. I'm just curious. I think you touched on it with regionals and nationals. If you guys end up making it, um, what does the rest of the season hold for you guys as far as practices, as far as tournaments, mm -hmm. fundraising, just anything? Mm -hmm. So in terms of tournaments, we had our there's just two tournaments per year unless you qualify, which we didn't qualify. So the rest of our year just looks like trying to get more members to join. Anyone, you know, we want anyone to come. Obviously, we're looking for experience in um, professional coaching in the past. Um, but the rest of the year is just kind of more practice. Um, I'm not sure how often I'll be able to play outside of you know college. There's a couple places. Um, in Oregon that have table tennis facilities. The national 
distributor of table tennis equipment and kind of headquarters is in Tigard. So it's great that we're actually, you know, pretty close to that. So it's like, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes outside of Portland. So like, that's a place that I can go to personally to play outside of college. But in terms of the rest of this season, fundraising, we are working on like different members of our club are kind of taking on those roles that we have a couple of freshmen and sophomores who are um, kind of going to be presidents um, next year. But we've gone to, I think there's a connect the ducks event that we we're doing some tabling. So a lot of it is like in, increasing our memberships, um, which is great because then we can have, you know, up to three teams, the co-ed B team and women's team, which would be, you know, great just to have a lot of members be able to come and be able to afford better equipment. Um, but for the most part, it's kind of enjoying the last, you know, of the the rest of the of the school year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you want to, you know, plug, plug your socials, plug if you have any uh, fundraisers or where people can um, look you guys up, websites, stuff like that. That's always a, a good thing to do to get get some more notice out for you guys as well. So our Instagram is UO Table Tennis and... I think we have a we have a Facebook, but I'm not sure the login information and the, the information is not totally correct on there. But the main source of contact and social would be uh, U, UO Table Tennis on Instagram, and we'll we're posting kind of pictures of practice, and we'll get some stuff for the tournament. Let people know about um, any fundraisers that we have coming up. But that's the primary source of of contact. Mm-hmm. Awesome. UO Table Tennis. Go blow it up, guys. Yeah. Follow us. All right, Zevi. Well, thank you for joining us for this podcast, and good luck the rest of the way. Thanks so much. Um, I'm glad to be here and spread the news uh, about Table Tennis Club at, at UO. It's, it's a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you. you for coming. <laughs>